Are you ready to head down the path to an abundant retirement? We're tackling the topics of the mind of the modern retiree. Here on Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. And now your host, Carol Dewey. Welcome back to Navigating an Abundant Retirement Radio. I am your host, Carol Dewey, and this week we are going to wrap up our celebration of Economic Independence Month while discussing the truth about personal finances. Now, this will be the first of a five-part series where we are going to introduce you to the concept of prosperity economics. Did you know in America it is not polite to discuss money? Why is that? Because it's uncomfortable, because it's embarrassing, because we don't know what we're doing with it. It is just a piece of paper, no more substantial than a post-it note, yet it packs very powerful emotions. This is why learning to love your money is paramount to your success with it. Emotions play a role whether we want to admit it or not, and if you can find a way to love the money you have, love the movements you can make with it, love what it represents to you, then you can have more of that. Not only do your emotions around money matter, your words do as well. Think about this quote from Desmond Tutu. Language is very powerful. Language does not just describe reality. Language creates the reality it describes. So what words are you using around money? What about your job? Is that the daily grind or is it an opportunity to serve? How about your savings account? Is that an emergency fund or an opportunity fund? And what about your debt? Is that indentured servitude or getting to enjoy something now and pay later? And how about cash flow? Focused on only what comes in or on also what goes out? How about your values? Are you disconnected from how you spend money? Or are you focused on the way you can prioritize expenses in order to get what you want? How about your ideas about retirement? Do you got to get there fast? Or maybe it's being taken out of service. It's a cruel lie to let most people believe that they can work for 40 years, save a small percentage of their income, then quit work and retire for decades of high inflation to come. Yet this is the cultural expectation, what we think is supposed to happen. Did you know that 87 is the new 65? In 1935, when the American government passed the Social Security Act, the official retirement age was set at 65. The life expectancy for men in 1935 was only 58. The modern expectation of retirement to this day is still 65. Yet life expectancy has steadily increased ever since, and we don't see the rise in life expectancy slowing down anytime soon. That means that for many, they'll be living on a fixed income for decades. Not to mention, age 65 in the present day is younger and healthier than age 65 in the 1930s. Some people are choosing to delay their retirement because they love what they do, and their health allows them to do so. So how come we still accept retirement as age 65? Typical financial planning is laser-focused on retirement, and yet somehow it still misses the mark. The problem with typical advice is twofold. First, clients are so focused on a future where they can escape the workforce that they don't fully enjoy their lives in the present. And second, it's based on accumulating an arbitrary amount of money that starts distributing at age 65. Often the funds are undercut by the fees and taxes that accompany qualified retirement accounts. Combined with a longer life expectancy, we're seeing an increase in retirees running out of money. The alternative approach is also twofold. We encourage you to find and pursue your passions, 
so that work life does not become something to escape from. Then we help you build wealth that you won't outlive by focusing on methods that last a lifetime rather than a million-dollar goal. This is one of the reasons we've spent so much time in earlier episodes talking about creating more cash flow opportunities and or streams of income. Perhaps it's time to start rethinking retirement age. My friend Tom Hagna is fond of referring to the math and science of it all. And fortunately, we did the math for you. Since the age 65 was derived from life expectancy, we can look at it the same way today. The first step is to find the difference between life expectancy today and life expectancy in 1935. So if you divide 78, which was the 2020 life expectancy, by 58, which was the 1935 expectancy, you'll get 1.34482. That means that life expectancy has increased by nearly 1.5%. The next step is to multiply the rate we got which was that 1.34482 by age 65 to show what the increase would be. The result? Well, it's 87.41379. So based on the same framework, the general retirement age should actually be 87 or even 87 and a half. What could this solve? Well, for starters, staying in the workforce longer will help you to have more purpose and accumulate more wealth. The typical retirement mindset does not serve us anymore. It puts us in a situation that leaves us at a disadvantage. It's not enough to have age 65 tunnel vision. The reality is most people are thinking from an emotional place and not a critical level. The current retirement model is not sustainable, and it only becomes less so as our life expectancies rise. The best thing we can do for ourselves is to live more in the present and to look at the big picture when it comes to finance. Make the leap to strategies that will help you navigate and enjoy your longevity. It's something to celebrate. Success is measured by you. No one else can set your happy meter. Now, I can't take credit for that saying. I borrowed it from Sandy McCoy on Instagram. From Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy's book, Gap and Gain, Your identity is how you see yourself, and it drives your behavior. Your behavior also influences your identity. Now, behaviors are addictive, so look at what your current set of habitual behaviors are creating for you and add in any new ones you'd like to employ. This is easier than trying to get rid of bad habits. If you'll just add in the ones that you want, the bad ones fall off the table. Here's some examples. One, Make a deposit every day to your prosperity account and love the act of making that deposit as well as the money going in along with the money that is already there. Two, measure backwards to see how far you've come rather than forward to see how far away you are because building savings, your emergency or opportunity fund, is an investment in you and your future. So measure your progress and your gratitude rather than make any attempts to plan out the future. Three, celebrate those wins with friends and family. Pearson's Law says, when performance is measured, performance improves. When performance is measured and reported back, the rate of improvement accelerates. Number four, find an accountability buddy among your friends or use a system like Stick or Winstreak. For most people, the numbers around retirement flat out just don't work. People don't save enough. Many people only save 2% of their income thinking they can make it up with miraculous rates of return in the stock market. 
They find their investments don't earn enough. Markets rise and fall. Inflation is underestimated, as is the enormous toll that taxes and those tiny little fees will take, which for many investors can be half of their retirement account or more. What happens when the numbers don't work? What do planners say to a client who just doesn't earn enough or can't save enough to ever reach their retirement desires? We say, find work you love and do it for as long as you can. The truth is that most people only have enough in savings to live the lifestyle they've grown accustomed to for a decade at most before they become dependent on the government or their family. Then there are all the half-truths and untruths. Conventional wisdom says, get a good job and max out your 401k, but that is rarely how wealth is built. 401ks only came into existence in the 1970s. What did people do before that? They had savings accounts, whole life insurance, and home mortgage, according to Steve Utkus, director of the Vanguard Center for Retirement Research, as quoted in the book Pound Foolish. Financial gurus preach a life insurance mantra of buy term and invest the difference. Even though many rich and successful people throughout history have done and still do the opposite. Sometimes the appropriate answer to the whole life versus term debate is both. My husband and I make an effort to live in a house of both, where each decision is looked at from the standpoint of ice cream or pie. A little of both, please. Fix the driveway or add to the landscaping. How can we do both? Add more to our whole life insurance or buy another investment? Both. Retirement is assumed instead of the possibility that people might be passionately productive at any age. People are programmed to believe that somehow they'll spend less in retirement in spite of inflation and lifestyle desires. As my husband is fond of saying, every day is Saturday and you're supposed to spend less? Then there's plan B, when unexpected life events derail even the best of plans. When the job or the stock market or the marriage or the rental house don't go according to plans, people need money. And when people need money, they typically raid their 401ks or IRAs, incurring penalties and income taxes at an inopportune time. And let me tell you, retirement accounts make poor, inefficient emergency funds. Ironically, the best laid financial plans sometimes make people less prepared to weather a financial storm. According to Bloomberg.com, nearly 10% of Americans with retirement accounts are finding it necessary to cash part or all of their accounts out early to the tune of $57 billion in 2011 alone, and in 2020 that was probably much more. The fact is, planning of any kind can be a joke because when does everything go as planned? What's that saying? Man makes his plans and God laughs? So true. I want to help you make money your best friend. And while science is just now proving we have a neurochemical relationship with money, I felt all along that what we appreciate appreciates and that the reverse is true as well. Money is about meaning, not materialism. As my friend Garrett Gunderson says, we're in a consumeristic society where the eternal quest is for more. So what are our alternatives? After years of intense study and learning from the most experienced and renowned financial experts in the nation, I will also introduce you to Prosperity Economics, which is a set of principles, philosophy, products, and strategies that work. The ones used by many wealthy people I have known and observed. I had to go searching, and when I did, I discovered those better options. 
They were the methods that have helped people build sustainable wealth for many decades, even centuries. I truly hope this episode and the resources that follow in the next few episodes will allow you to see things a little or perhaps a lot differently. And before we go any further in our discussions, I have a few simple requests to make. First, I ask that you keep an open mind if or when the information I present contradicts with what you already believe or know. Try on the ideas, do your own research, and consider if it is worth being open-minded. Secondly, please don't just listen to the material presented in these episodes. Take action. Your money and your future depend on it. I ask that you do something to move yourself up the prosperity ladder. It's a journey worth taking. And if you want my help, reach out. We're part of a grassroots movement of agents, advisors, investors, and consumers working together to take back our thinking and our money from the institutions and corporations that too often put their own best interests first. We, the movement and our team, represent a different path to prosperity, a less traveled yet proven path that will help you build wealth with greater confidence, more certainty, and less worry. We advocate this alternative path because the truth of the matter is this. If you don't consider money a friend, one that you love, you will be its servant, and we don't find most people want that. Next week, we'll address financial problems, where the lack of automation and simplification combined with inflation equals decimation. One of the products Prosperity Economics utilizes is a safe, reliable, tax-advantaged cash alternative with multiple benefits and tremendous flexibility that generates stronger returns than bank accounts, CDs, money market funds, annuities, or treasury bills, and it has been around for more than a century. It is called Participating Whole Life Insurance from a Mutual Company, so stay tuned to learn more about that as well. That's all I've got planned for you this week. This is week one of a five-part series. Until next time, remember that navigating your abundant retirement starts today. I'd like to encourage you to continue our journey of enlightenment and education by subscribing to our podcast and downloading the show. See you next week. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes as a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of returns are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. Carol Dewey is an investment advisor representative of Perpetual Wealth Financial, a Florida-registered investment advisor firm.